They have coming up. What is what is the test that you are least excited about? <laughs> Most anxious about? All of them. Microbiology, which apparently we are teaching today, because uh, our handout is from that class. <laughs> it has the same author. So, what? Uh, Anybody else? Anybody have any like daunting tests or exams or projects coming up? This has the same maker. Yeah, as this day. Yeah, no, every event. Literally, you can say everything has the same maker. What's your most favorite class right now? History of rock and roll. History of rock and roll. What's the music Music appreciation. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> All right, you completed the course now. You can, like, you can leave. Rock and roll. All right. All right. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I feel like it's been a while. We had Brent and Illy were teaching last week, so I wasn't even 
here with you guys, and then the week before that was the retreat, which is a lot of time, but kind of different, so it's been a while since I've kind of been here with you guys, but uh, we're having some fun, and so um, you want to stand up and pray for us this, this lovely evening, mm-hmm. and uh, just pray for our time. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for giving us this time to come together and just grow in you and uh, grow together, Lord, because not everywhere do people get that opportunity, and I just thank you, God, for blessing us with that, and I pray, Lord, that uh, we all just get a better sense of how to disciple for you, Lord, and uh, get to know more of you and what you would desire that we do, Lord. Just help us make the most of this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we are getting into uh, some real fun stuff here for the next few weeks. We are going to be going into like uh, deep diving into some super practical type stuff. Uh, we've we've been talking through uh, a lot of kind of the whys of leadership, and we've been talking about you know, with a leadership retreat. We've been talking about what are some of the core attributes of a leader, like what does it look like to do leadership practically uh, for you. But you may still be at this point in the class to just be kind of like, I love the heart of this. I even love the vision of this. I kind of get sort of what you guys are trying to accomplish. And I think maybe I can buy into that, but I don't know how to take that actual first step. And that is a little bit of where we're going now for the next few weeks is what are some real practical steps? Of course, we've been doing that a little bit with the exercises. But we're going to be doing some of that here just in the class as well, talking through how do we go from conceptually saying, hey, we want to transform our campus. Hey, we want to see people reach for Jesus. We want to build relationships around our lives to taking that first step and be like, how do I actually start doing this? And so uh, today we are talking for the next hour and a half or so, we're talking about really outreach. And that really exciting, really daunting concept, uh, outreach, reaching out, uh, reaching out to people uh, with the good news of the gospel. And how do we reach out with what we have to the world around us? And so we're going to be looking at uh, some real practical ideas of that. Uh, I was just hanging out this morning. One of the, some of you guys may know, I'm, I'm, semi-homeless right now uh we're we've been uh we've got this uh, amazing house we're hoping to be able to use for my family and for our ministry uh in the future but it's it's uh, a construction site right now we were supposed to be in it at the end of september um it's not the end of september not this next year like last last september um so it's it's been kind of a long process but we are in the process of doing that and it's been kind of fun i've got I've gotten to know some of these guys that are doing construction on this house, and and uh, just this morning I was hanging out with this guy Nate. I was telling some of the staff about this this afternoon, but but uh, Nate is uh, just just kind of a rough guy. He's really cool, but uh, he's like an artist. He does, but art, artists don't pay, so so he does construction uh, and paints and stuff for for construction, and his his mom who was in foster care died when he was like six months old and and he uh, was kind of raised by his dad but kind of all over the place and just has had kind of a rough life and here here he actually said hey I'll give you 
a few hours today to just help you figure out how to work out some of the flooring. It's like, I'd love to just all my own time come and help you out. And that's really nice of you. And so we're just kind of chatting, laying down floors and talking. And we're having this conversation and just casually we start talking about the Lord. We start talking about my testimony and my experience with God and his experience with faith a little bit. And and it was just normal and casual. And I've actually been able to do this with about three of the guys on this construction crew over the last month. Uh, I've had a little time there hanging out with them. And the funny thing is, is I'm there's no service. There's no altar call there's no kind of like message or agenda other than just to say like hey let's put my floor together but sometimes the question is do we talk about the lord intuitively do we naturally bring him up does he come up or is he simply something or some concept in our life that if we have to he you know we might go there but only if we have to or only in a, like a strictly religious context. If we're not talking about the Lord as much as we're talking about the pretty girl that we like or the sports team that is not doing as well as we were hoping or the you know the class that is just rocking my world right now, if we don't talk about the Lord, is he as important as those other things to us? And sometimes we don't talk about him because we're afraid or we're anxious, we're not sure if the other person is on the same page with us on that. But learning, uh, outreach does not have to just be on a missions trip where we're stepping out in kind of structured context. Uh, it doesn't just have to be in uh, welcome week when we're kind of intentionally trying to go out there and meet people. It doesn't have to just be anything other than just your life. And what we're trying to teach you guys is relationally, how do we minister um, the gospel? And so... Well, I talk a little bit about that, and I've got on your printouts here today. Just there's kind of a diagram. Real, it's kind of a basic one, but it it for me just kind of helps contextualize a little bit of what we're talking about. And if you kind of think about your life, I'm going to basically break your life down um, into these three circles. I can't remember if I've talked a little bit. Of, with this before or not, but um, this one here, this outer circle is really your your life. And when it comes to, or like you could say leadership. And so we kind of talk about three things. We talk about finding, fighting, and feeding people. Finding, fighting, and feeding people. You have to, to be a minister of the gospel, you actually have to find people. Jesus was the greatest minister of all time, but if he didn't find people to actually minister to, what good was it, right? He had to actually find people, then he had to fight for them to be part of his life, that it wasn't enough that, you know, there's this great sermon, if you have a little time, like I suggest, you know, sometime maybe this month, or if you don't think about it, and maybe this summer, but there's a great sermon called uh, Ten Shekels and a Shirt, you can find it online for free, um, and it, it will kind of rock you. Uh, it's, it's often considered one of you know, maybe the top ten uh, most influential sermons at times uh, that have been said. And, but, but in that, he talks about this idea that we don't do this because people 
want to be quote unquote saved. In fact, in our world, sometimes that is almost like offensive. Like I need to be saved. Like I'm not okay by myself as I am, how I want to live. You're saying that I need something from you. Like that's, that's, you know, there's this cultural paradigm that where Christianity used to be seen kind of as like a moral uh, high ground now is almost sometimes seen as an offense to the values of our culture. But but he gets into this idea that we don't do this because people want what we have, but because God deserves their worship. That God deserves their worship and their praise in their lives. And so we fight for him, for his heart. That the, as the Moravians used to say, that the lamb who was slain would re- receive the reward of his suffering. That Jesus, who deserves this worship, and so we fight for his heart in this world. But all of that to get into kind of this idea that in our life we need to be ministering to our world and this is not again this is not the weekly meeting um so often what students get in trouble with is they think the agenda is like this weekly meeting and so they start filtering things through that lens instead of saying i am ministering to the world. So this this larger world isn't about bringing anyone in. It's more about you. It's kind of it's a little bit more about you going out. Um, but this this could be your class. This could be your work. This could be your dorm, the cafeteria. This is just wherever. Kind of two areas. One wherever you are naturally. This is this is your world. Um, and Oh, sorry. And there's kind of two areas I'm looking at here. One is where you are just trying to be a minister to your world. Um, and this is this is under finding. This this whole thing here is basically finding. Uh, slash just life okay so it's not like day in and day out you're just that's like your central agenda in life is just to find but it is this idea that in your life you are just constantly looking for opportunities to minister to your world and so so who is this 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 is your employer your employee this is your coworker. this is your classmate this is your doormate. This is whoever is around you. They call them weak ties. They're people that you have a connection to, but they're not like close to you. You just kind of have a tether of some sort to them, sometimes vicariously through, through someone else even. But this is, this is your world. Are you being a minister to your world? And so this is one of those things where you are not by itself, your core agenda here is not by itself to say, I'm trying to build my small group. Although if you do this well here, you very well may find that you are always building your small group at some level. But this is about, you know, Jesus was not trying to get the multitudes necessarily to be his disciples. Not not instantaneously, not originally, not not for everyone who is ministering to him necessarily. Like he definitely would bring people in quickly. We'll get to that. But he was ministering to the crowds, to the thousands, to the multitudes. He would minister whenever he saw a chance. 
In fact, there are times when he even didn't let someone follow him. You think about like the man who had all the demons, and he says, I want to follow you, and Jesus says, no, go and you know, testify about what you have experienced to your world. Um, or the woman at the well, or things like that. So you have these moments where Jesus was not necessarily trying to build his small group, if, if you'll let me you know, broaden the terminology of the Bible uh, at some level. But he was always looking for opportunities to be a minister, to minister the love of Christ, to minister the gospel into someone's world, to bring heaven to earth, so to speak, to bring something of the kingdom of God into people's reality. And so these are situations where you don't necessarily even have an agenda aside from just to express love to your world around you. And one question is, are you good at that? Do you do that? How often do you do that? So questions, how often have you just naturally prayed for people in your world that aren't in a service and you're being told to, you know, hey, pray for the person next to you, you know, like, like how often have you prayed? How, how often have you brought Jesus up to people that aren't in a Bible study setting, right? How often do you talk about Jesus? How often do you talk about, you know, your Christian community? So in these contexts, we're, we're just looking for, hey, you being a minister to your gospel, if, if you are a minister of the gospel in your life, in your world, um, whenever you find an opportunity, because you love Jesus and because you're learning to be intentional, you will find it's incredibly easy and you will always have more than enough people to pursue uh, with the gospel. And we'll get to that here in a second. So, so do you minister to your world? Um, well, I just had an example in my head and I was just, I just spaced it. But um, we've had a, a lot, most of our best small group leaders were really good at this. They were really good at this. They just um, knew to, to intentionally look to pray for people. How often do you say, God, let me share your love today to my world? Um, most of the time we say, God, don't make me do that. <laughs> right? That's my prayer. God, please give me an excuse. There's some reason that I don't have to do that, right? Please don't make me. But I remember actually one guy in my small group who um, we were actually getting ready for a mission trip, and there's a little, you know, multiple angles to the story, uh, but he had been fasting. He just chose to fast for three days before we went on this Mexico mission trip, and I was leading it. He was in my small group. He was coming with me, and and it was kind of interesting. His roommate, his, his doormate, who had just kind of been assigned to him, uh, was nice guy, but a starch, staunch, Atheist, ah, starch. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I get. Okay, um, but a staunch atheist, and and we'd had some interesting conversations. We even kind of struck up. He had come to my meeting once or twice. He liked the community, but he was just very much on the fringe uh, of my small group group. And uh, and and Darrell basically said, no, "That's that." Darrell, but uh, Darrell said, hey, uh, he was sick this one morning. It was like the day before spring break hit and we were all leaving and he had been, had the flu. And and Darrell said, hey, can I pray for you? He just saw him. He was running out the door. He was in a rush, but he saw a moment 
And he said, hey, can I just pray for you? And the guy's like, yeah, sure, what And And Darrell prayed for him, and it wasn't like some kind of like, you know, he felt the force flow through him or some kind of, like, you know, like... Although there is sort of the, that weird moment when Jesus is like, I felt the power, right? right? That's a whole different conversation. But I love that conversation. Talk to me about that conversation. That was a fun one. But but he didn't feel like some kind of, you know, flow or just, you know, some powerful moment. He just prayed for him and then ran out the door to get to his class. And his roommate ran behind him about a minute later, ran up, caught him before he got into class and said, what did you do to me? <laughs> because his he had been like laid up like just you know feet in the air can't get out of bed achy everywhere just sick and instantly he was healed and he an atheist knew it he knew something had just happened there was no like oh yeah it kind of felt better maybe that you know whatever but but it was like this moment so Darrell just was looking he was just looking for a moment and what's what's really fascinating is when you start to have spiritual eyes, you will be fascinated with how many opportunities there are to minister to your world that you just don't take advantage of because you're not looking, right? It's kind of that thing that if you're not looking for it, you'll never find it, right? And we're kind of like, well, God, you know, you know, beat me over the head or open my eye. Like, uh, he's like, if you want to, you will find more than enough opportunity to minister to your world. So really, in leadership... One of the things that we want to teach you guys is, is really this. How do we minister to our world? How do we learn to be intentional? And, and certainly the, the small group meetings and, and the community becomes a core concept. We start to get to Jesus's you know, deeper investments from there. But his, his small group, I'm just going to kind of put this here, you know, small group right there. His small group was not disconnected from this. And it was a result of this. It was a result of doing this that he started to bring people in. As he went out, he started to bring people in. First, he goes out. Second, he brings people in when and if they're ready into these closer and closer circles around his life. And so when we talk about kind of your life, about finding people, there's two contexts. One, be a minister of your world. Two, the other space that we're talking about um, when ministering to your world is simply is simply intentional outreach. Um, intentional outreach. And this, this is a little bit broader than your natural world world but we are asking you to to bring this into your world um so how many of you guys are like say juniors or seniors yeah the dorms are no longer your world right i mean you don't ever like wake up and be like hey, i just want to hang out at the dorms again right like that's just not something that you intuitively do it's not far from your world but it's not necessarily part of your world directly. When Jesus said for the disciples to go out and Acts, he said, go to Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you guys kind of know that analogy, right? It's, it's broadening context, right? And you actually see that is almost the outline. Um, commentators have highlighted that's really the outline of Acts 
is the story of the church going from Jerusalem in the Pentecost story to Judea in Acts like chapter 8 and in Cornelius's house and some of these like first steps kind of things uh, you know and off and often into the world they you know, get persecution and they finally like take the command of God to get out of their little world but but outreach is like this is your broader world this is maybe Judea if you will this is kind of hey your world right now has a lot of people that you can do life with that aren't necessarily your in t- just natural world but can be your intentional uh, community as well so examples like um, freshmen right they are part of your campus they are around you every day they are part of your larger community here on campus but they're not necessarily like who you would intuitively pursue or international students who maybe are from countries that like let's say like one of the biggest uh, demographics just to use an example here in the US are Saudi Arabians I've been as close as you can get to Saudi Arabia um, you know whether it's like Qatar uh, really is probably the closest you can get without getting in the country because we couldn't get into Saudi Arabia, but they're coming here in droves, right? Like, have you ever made a friend that's international? You may not intuitively, like, think, hey, actually, like, reach out to them. The cultural barriers or, you know, sometimes they're, like, a little more, like, I want to, you know, a little afraid to try to pursue, you know, American friends so they'll maybe stay where it's more safe. But, But some of these people are here for a season, and it's like, man, are we being intentional to step past... Um, our natural barriers to, to broaden into our world past that intuitive step. And so whether that's freshmen during welcome week um, or on-campus presence, or really, to be honest, a lot of the exercises that we have and you guys do, this is kind of like intentional outreach, right? Like it's like, hey, you're not like randomly sitting next to that person that we asked you to pray for or when we had you last, you know, this last week, like go out and like give, ask the Lord for a word to share with somebody. Um, you know, that's that's pretty close to your world, but you probably had to be a little more intentional to do outreach. That group is a little bit a little bit different. You treat it a little bit different. We're going to actually go far more in depth here for the rest of our time into this area here, um, because where sometimes. To minister here is like you can have kind of a, a longer term approach to building relationship to ministering to somebody um, this is kind of like you have a moment literally a moment and you either capitalize on it or you don't um, here if I if I pray for somebody and you know nothing happens I can ask them how that thing was going, you know, next week when I see him in class again and kind of keep the conversation going. Here, if I don't follow up, if I don't get a follow-up with that freshman after that, like, five-minute conversation after they moved into the dorms, I'm never probably going to see him again on campus aside from, like, you know, until it's way too late to ever do anything. So this one, like, I've got to, like, capitalize in the moment. This one is far more of, like, I'm just ministering in my world. Um, Either of them, both of them, are about one principle that we're working from is this you are looking the goal is always relationship the agenda is always relationship but not relationship like our world says it and you guys have heard us say this over and over but just relationship in the sense of kingdom relationship in the sense of i 
want to model in some way the Trinity. I want to model the kind of friendship and intimacy and closeness that when Jesus prays in John 17 says, hey, may they be one as we are one, may they be in us as I am in you. May we be part of the divine experience of the relationship God has poured out into the world, that we would partner with God in drawing people close into his heart and close to us as we model what he is inviting them into in his relationship. When we are with that agenda, um, there is a little bit of a tension between uh, what, what you might call, in fact, I was just emailing back and forth with uh, some missionaries here this last week, and and we were talking about it. one of the missionaries framed it this way, which I think was a good way of defining it. But there is a tension so often between um, make sure I uh, say this right, but uh, between filtering and fighting, between filtering and fighting. So. Um, how do you decide who to fight for? Uh, there's some parts of the world right now where relational outreach seen, uh, is often seen as, as not a very effective approach because the accusation, and that's, and that's really our bread and butter, that's what we do, that's how we do it. You know. But the accusation is uh, you can be really good at going out and where friendship is really easy, but kingdom relationships is really hard, it can be really easy to find a friend that will be never never be more than that, uh, find five people based on affinity or convenience uh, or just luck of the draw, whoever I randomly talk to first, because everybody will be my friend, but almost nobody will be my brother. And so their accusation of relational ministry is you guys don't know how to filter who to invest into. And so you you know you spend your whole life investing into five people that never wanted Jesus to begin with. They were basically, you know, rich young rulers, if nothing else, that Jesus let walk away, but you won't. Um, so how do you filter? You have one life to give. How do you choose who to invest into? On the flip side, Chi Alpha, we say, yes, we get that. However, the reality is, is nobody is going to value the kingdom of God until they experience the kingdom of God. You do not create values in your life from just some intuitive, innate desire, per se. I mean, there may, one in a million, you may find somebody who, whose external contexts or internal uh, draw, uh, draws them to pursue the heart of God, even though they may not understand who he is or what he is. And, you know, we hear all these crazy stories about God giving them dreams, they don't even know Jesus, but they hear the name of Jesus in their you know, vision or those kind of things. And those things definitely happen. We don't doubt that. But to depend on the world outside of the kingdom of God, outside of the church, to create the desire for God um, without us is at the same time often just an act in futility. People don't want Jesus. You know, there's this custom saying that I love. He's, you know, he said... People don't, um, in the kingdom of God, in the world, we find something lovely and then we love it. But in the kingdom of God, we love something and then it becomes lovely. Yeah. And so there's this tension between these two. So on one hand, there is, there is the example of, uh, I remember Brent in Russia when we were there. 
and at one point, which is kind of easy context, like it's easy to make friends, they're like Americans, you know, especially when we were down in Krasadar, they're like, nobody goes down to Krasadar as an American, like, why are you here? So like, just strike up a conversation with someone in the bus, and guess what, you've got a friend, because they want to practice their English, they're really curious about you, unless they think you're a CIA spy, which sometimes happens, but for the most part, um, they're like, man, well, let's hang out. Yeah, so it's really easy to make a friend, but you find they have no interest, they have no desire, they actually are, you know, annoyed beyond measure if you bring up Jesus. So what do you do? On the flip side, I remember asking Brent, like, who are your, who are kind of your guys after a couple months that we were there? And he mentioned a few guys, and one of them was Dima. And I remember thinking, Dima, man, Brent, we are like trying to build a ministry and trying to do all this stuff, and Dima is just a waste of time. Well, you know, what was me of little faith? Because a couple months later, Dima gave his life to the Lord and became one of the most radical salvations I ever saw because Brett fought for him. So there's this kind of this tension. There's this tension between filtering and finding. And it is not a tension that is easily resolved. You should not try to necessarily resolve it. I know we like to have the answer that's like, okay, I've got the formula and the equation and I can kind of filter it through. It's not that simple. We need to hold that tension to get together and manage it sometimes because and the way that I do resolve it in my heart is to say this. My goal is not to make a friend. Not in the way the world says it. My goal is to make a brother. And if I think you could be my brother, I will fight for you. But if I don't think you're ready to be my brother, then I will move on and find somebody who is. It does not mean that they're Christian. It does not mean that they have given their life to the Lord. It does not mean Sometimes it does not mean anything more than I feel something in my spirit saying that one go right my old director used to call it bird dogging you know uh i know it's kind of a hick term but i'm a country boy and so i kind of appreciate that like i had i had bird dogs growing up and a bird dog um is a dog that hunts birds right like he, he knows uh particularly like if duck hunting or something they'll sit there until the master says you know shoots one and instantly that dog, bird dog knows get it Right? They jump in the water and you know whatever, or they'll go out to the field and grab it and return it for you. Um, and in some ways, we experience that with the Holy Spirit. We Sometimes I'm like, that guy has no desire to know God, and yet there's something in my spirit that says, it's like the master is saying, that one, get him. And so we always need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's guidance. Um, on top of that, I'm going to break down kind of three... <clears throat> three, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> let's try that again. Three, I've had a bit of a cold, so I'm a little nasally. Um, basic principles that we're looking for, for whether or not to pursue someone. And I might be, uh, am I jumping ahead? I might be jumping ahead a little bit. Um, Okay, so that that will bring us to this one, which is fight. Fight. Fighting for people. We're actually going to talk a lot more about this. Um, next week, we're going to talk about some principles of fighting. When I say fighting, almost always, practically, people 
interpret me as saying, invite them to large group. That's fighting for them. Or invite them to my weekly meeting. Or invite them to my thing on Friday night. Or invite them. Invite. Invite. I do not mean invite. Take invite. Cross it out of your head. I do not mean invite. It's not that I don't also mean invite. But when I say fight, I do not mean invite. <laughs> okay? Fight is not invite. Fight is fight. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. Go to them. Knock them out. Take them down. Yeah. Spiritually. Spiritually. <laughs> I have stories, but that's, we don't have time for those. So, so when I say fight, when when I'm in a war and I'm fighting for, you know, we want to make sure the analogy is accurate. When we're fighting for someone, like you know, as a captive, I don't say to my enemy, "You're welcome to come. Come to me." No. I'm trying to get that captive. So I'm going to get into the enemy territory. I'm going to get into their world. We as in World War II, we did not my grandfather was a World War II vet in the European um, area. Uh, he has a bronze star and a purple heart and stuff from from some things down there. He did not help, you know, in a very small way, but he did not help win the war because we sat back in America and said, "Hey Germany, come over here. We'll, you know, we'll take you." No, we invaded. We invaded what? Their world. If I'm going to win someone's heart, I have to learn to invade their world. I have to learn to, to take the fight to them. Because they are held captive by their ideologies, their cultural norms, their values of this, of this society. And they are not ever going to come to me until I go to them. I would never have loved Jesus except that he first loved me. I would never have gone to heaven because I couldn't. That he came to me. So here we have the incarnation. The story of Jesus is a story of pursuit. So are we pursuing? Now, um, in fighting, that's not that we don't also invite. That's also part of it. But but let's keep those concepts different, delineated in my head. I will invite, um, but it's not invite. So we got to get into their world. Uh, a couple of things here. If I make out, if in outreach, and I'm mostly kind of highlighting outreach here, although these principles are going to also somewhat adjust, but definitely are also accurate in, in just my world at large. But when I'm reaching out, let's say I go to, you know, let's say Welcome Week happens, and I've got like, I have like 20 guys moving to the dorms, and I was good at like, I got all their numbers. Um, how do I know who to fight for? Because honestly, I don't have that much time. I can't fight. I can't pursue 20 guys, 30 guys. Like, how do I filter um, who to fight for? That question. How do I filter who to fight for? And I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw out. Here's our kind of core three ideas. Again. Holy Spirit always is our trump card. If he says, if he says bird dog that one, you bird dog that one, because he knows what you don't. But as a general rule, as a kind of a broad, overarching rule, there are three things that we're looking for. Do they? Well, no, not do. Let's say, let's say, are are they okay? 
Not even like, do they want this, but are they okay with you? Are they okay with you? That, you know, like you meet somebody and there's just, and honestly, sometimes it's, I mean, it happens. Sometimes it's just like there's no chemistry and it's like, I don't know. They're, they're not interested in you pursuing them. They're not, you know, whatever. Um, are they okay with you? Is there a sense of, are they okay with you? Are they, boy, this, this one isn't working that great. Are they okay with your community? And are they okay with Jesus? Lastly, do you do they want one? One of the three. Do they want one of the three? If they're like, yeah, I'm okay with Jesus. Like, you know, like grandmother took me to church when I was a kid. I know I probably should. Whatever. Like, you look for the community. You got friends. Well, I got lots of friends here. Like, I got a whole crew of guys from like, you know, high school. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to invite me over, that'd be that'd be fine. We'll see what happens. Like, you know, if I like hang out with you sometime, like, eh, yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll see. You know, if if they're just okay with all three. Maybe move on because nothing's probably going to happen. There has to be a there has to be a stickiness to your connection, to that outreach. There has to be a stickiness to that moment. Like there's there's got to be something that tethers them to you long enough to create the values for the kingdom. But if they're just okay with you, Jesus, and your community, there's not there's no stick to your life because those are broadly the three things that can tether someone into the kingdom. Those are broadly the three things that tether people to the kingdom of God long enough that Jesus can start to transform them through that. Um, and, and what we find is sometimes they are okay with you. Like, hey, yeah, we could become friends. I think it's kind of cool if you want to pursue me. You know, I think there's something there maybe. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm all right with your community. That's, that's fine. I'm looking for some friends. Maybe I'll go camping with you guys, kind of hang out. But every time, but Jesus, no, dude, I don't give me that crap. I, you know, waste of time. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. If, if they're there, I've watched so many people think that this was going to be enough. That they, you know, it'll just happen through osmosis as they're around, <laughs> right? But if, if they're not okay, they don't have to want Jesus. But if he can't come in the door with you when you go to hang out with them, nothing's going to happen. Move on. They can't be your brother. They can't be your sister. Sometimes they're okay with... This happens uh, a lot, too. This is a common one. Sometimes they're okay with you. Like, yeah, I think we could become friends. We could be buds. We could go, you know, play some basketball or something this, on the weekend, and, you know, whatever. And and Jesus, yeah, hey, we could talk about that. And, and this is a really tricky one because every small group leader... Back in like our first five years of ministry, there was so I had so many small group leaders that thought, okay, that'll be enough. They're okay with Jesus. They're okay with Jesus. And I could pursue them. Guess what? I never saw anything ever happen with that. Never saw anything happen. You know what? It takes a village to raise a child. 
It takes more than you. You are not enough. I don't care. You guys are amazing. I've got to hang out with you guys and talk to you guys. You guys are amazing. You are not enough. <laughs> Say it with me. I am not enough. Right? Okay, so. <laughs> it's like, my mommy said I was a snowflake. Um, <laughs> you are not enough. You need the community. If, if that person is going to be, have a chance, a chance at becoming your brother, they need the people around this room. They need the people around your community. They need people beyond you. If they're not okay with that, move on. They're not ready. Move on. They're not ready for, to be invested into. Are they okay? And then, you know, the other one is they're okay with your community. You know, they don't like you. Then, yeah, don't try to pursue them if they're, you know, just okay. no open. I mean, you know... That rarely kind of, well, no, actually that happens a lot, honestly. It's like, I've texted that guy so often and like he never responds. That's going to happen. Honestly, they're going to reject you. You know, don't, don't worry. The coolest people I've ever known have all been rejected. Don't stress. It's not you. It's them. You know, whatever. But, but if, you know, it's, it's, you know, just, it's okay. But, um, if, what's the one I'm, I'm missing here, but you kind of get the idea. If any one of these three is not present, um, nothing really happens. Nothing really happens. There's not the potential for them to become my brother and my sister. And so my life is best invested into those who are at a place. doesn't mean they have to want it. The values come from the experience. But if they're not okay with the experience, then how am I going to infuse the values of the kingdom? And so they have to be okay with those things. Now, um, that, again, I'm not going to say that is an absolute kingdom you know, mandate. But I will say, if you study the example of Jesus, you will find a great book that I would suggest reading before next fall, uh, if you're going to be a small group leader, is Master Plan of Evangelism uh, by... I was just about to say Foster, but it's not Foster. Um, Coleman? Yeah, what's his first name? Roger, Robert. Robert, Robert Coleman? Robert. Robert Coleman. Thank you, guys. Um, this, is all, this is as close to, to a manifesto of Chi Alpha as there is. Like This, this book uh, is, is kind of our, our methodology all summed up in a biblical perspective. But Jesus, essentially, what he goes into is Jesus' method was looking for people that relationally he can invest into, that, that had the capacity... To, to follow him. But they had to follow him. And he lets people walk away all the time. And, and you might say, like, oh, you're just making a formula. It's so systematic. It's just organizational. It can be that. Don't let it be that. If that's what you hear me saying, please, please hear me in the right heart. What I'm saying is I am looking for the most relational approach. Every relationship had a reason. What was the reason? Some of you guys just have friendships based on convenience. Well, they were there, and all of a sudden, like, okay, well, yeah, sure, let's hang out, right? You know, or some of them are like, we had common interests, you know, like, hey, we're on the same, you know, sports team, uh, or or we're in the class. Like, what was the thing that tethered you? I'm simply saying, in the kingdom, these are the things that tether you for relationship. The goal is relationship. The agenda is relationship. But these are criteria so often of relationship most of the time. 
Um, and I've definitely had the Lord say that one. And I'm like, really? I've got all these other ones that want it. And the Lord's like, no, no, that one. So I, I always create the exception that you don't always know how to assess that. Um, Lord knows far more than you do. So um, how do we assess that? How do we go about assessing whether or not this person is at a place where they want, you know, me and my community and Jesus. Um, okay. We're going to get into that, but I'm going to finalize this. We're going to take a little break and we'll get into really the practicals of how to kind of get to, to answering that question next but the last one and we're actually this is sort of our outline for the next few weeks kind of this finding fighting and feeding we're gonna go more into fighting um but then we're also going to go into uh feeding and feeding is basically who are leaning on you uh in their journey with jesus who are leaning on you in their journey of jesus who who are you you know, who's your Timothy's? Who you know, follow me as I follow Christ. These, this group here, and and these guys, these ones you're fighting for. You're kind of looking for these ones, and when you find those ones, you start to pursue. You find the ones like, hey, they're you know, this guy, you know, had no interest. You know, I do door move-ins. You know, I move in like 20 guys. I'm like, 10 of those guys had absolutely no interest. They just were, you know, they were. Either they're in the headlights and we never had a good conversation, or they just were too cool for school and they're like, you know, whatever. Uh, old guy, you know, guess what's going to happen. But um, they're just like, okay, whatever. And so I'm just like, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. It wasn't it wasn't me at this moment. So I'm going to keep moving to try to find the ones that could be my brother. And but you know, there's like, well, there's there's like five that like I had a solid conversation with. Okay, those are the ones. Take your time and fight for those ones. Fight for those guys. We'll talk more about how to fight for those ones, but fight for those ones that really like, yeah, yeah. I think there's something there. I think I could like really um, do something with them. And then you're gonna fight for them. You're gonna go into their world and you're gonna find some of them reciprocate. They are like, you know, you then invite after you fight. Um, not that sometimes you can't invite first to, there's sort of a duality there, but we so often invite that I want to de-emphasize that. That's our default. Come to me, where I'm safe, in my world, where I'm comfortable, and you take all the risk, right? No, we need to get out into yeah. their world. So we need to fight for them. So get there, fight and invite, we do both, but when you start to fight for them, and then you invite them into your world, into your thing, into whatever, uh, come to a large group, come to you know my hangout this weekend, come to whatever, and they reciprocate that, keep actually fighting for those ones more. People actually like, oh, he came to like my Friday hangout so I can like move on and start fighting for these other ones. No, 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 no. You fight for those ones more. Yeah. So you're actually filtering because this one is actually wanting it more, so then you start pushing more into kind of feeding and you're actually like giving them more and you're investing more into them and you're getting more into their life, and you're starting to merge your life with theirs a little bit more. And and these are the ones. So we're going to get into more feeding principles too. But but that inner circle, this is this is the group that, hey, these guys want uh, to kind of journey with 
with you in where you're going, and they're they're kind of your Timothy. They're not even necessarily your small group. Small group, these are the ones that are leaning on each other in the pursuit of Christ. Because your goal isn't to have a whole bunch of Timothys by itself. Your goal is to have Timothy 2 2, you know, invest into others, not singular other person, but others that you know can take this. That they that it's the disciples when Jesus leaves that are still hanging out together. They're still doing life together, even when the master is gone. They needed each other. That's the goal. I was talking to Castro, I think, just the other day, and he's like, Yeah, my guys were like hanging out this weekend and decided to do something and I and they'd never even invited me. You know, and he was like, I was kind of hurt and kind of excited, right? You know, it's like, that's the moment. Honestly, that's the moment you're living for. That is when they become actually small group. A community of people, a community of people around your life, but a community, not a bunch of individuals, who are leaning on each other in the pursuit of Jesus. That is your small group. That doesn't have anything to do with your weekly meeting. You're going to have a whole bunch of people come in and out of your weekly meeting that aren't there. They're all over here. They're kind of checking, they're popping their head in, they're not, whatever, that's fine. But you're alive, so you're going to be kind of shrinking in. The, the, more, the more you get into this inner circle, the more you're investing into these relationships. Because the more these relationships are starting to become kingdom, the more these relationships are starting to become trinity, the more these relationships are starting to become this interconnection of intimacy and commitment and joy and love, and dependence on one another in the pursuit of a common purpose. The more that they get to this, the more you invest. So out here, I'm just kind of looking for my world, like, hey, I'm hanging out with this guy this morning, we're laying floors, and I just have an opportunity to like share my faith journey with him. I don't know if anything will ever happen with it, I don't know if anything will go on from that moment, but I just, sowing seed, I'm just throwing it out there. If I start to get some, some reciprocation of, of this kind of thing, then I'm going to actually start to push him into my life a little more. From that, I'm going to push more into here. I'm going to actually maybe fight a little bit. Like, hey, you know, got to kind of engage. Uh, how can I pursue you a little bit? How can I actually start to engage into your world? Not just of convenience or of context or of situation, but how can I actually pursue you a little bit? And if it starts to reciprocate back and forth, then I'm going to actually invest more and draw you into my life and start pouring into you and start walking with you. You know, we kind of say this this way, you have your world, you have their worlds, and you have what we call third space, um, which is just a simple way to try to break down whether you're fighting or not, whether you're pursuing or not. Is, is it always your world that you're not fighting, you're inviting? Are you going into their world? That's really fighting. And then there's also kind of third space, which is sort of like, well, you know, I wouldn't be eating at the dorms, but you probably wouldn't even be here except that we were just kind of doing this together. We're going camping this weekend, not because I want to go camping or you would go camping without me, but together we're going to just kind of do something. And that's and that's kind of a mix of the two a little bit. Um, that's a little bit of a, a, a bridge, so to speak, creating memories and those kind of things. We'll get to that. So you keep investing the more you go. The deeper you go, the closer you get to this, but if your goal is this, without all this, all you're going to do is find a, a bunch of people to show up to your weekly meeting, and that's it. So you're going to find a bunch of Christians that want a Bible study that will sh- give you an hour and a half of their life a week to sit in a room and listen to you talk. That's what you're going to find. You will not find a community of people leaning on each other in the pursuit of Christ. So 
If you do this, you're constantly living out a life of ministry that is growing in intentionality and purpose with the agenda of ultimately creating brothers and sisters around your life that you can do faith with as you pursue after your master. Cool? Okay. Take a, take a few minutes. We're going to take like 10 minutes, and then we're going to talk about the six steps to meeting somebody and assessing do they want you, Jesus, in your community. All right. Something going on after this? Were we supposed to have like a little meeting? Or, uh, with the uh, Jessamine Jessamine bridal party thing? Is that a thing today? Jessamine is supposed to be with us right now. Jessamine is? Jessamine, Leanne, and I are looking at our presentation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I wasn't totally sure. Yeah. Do you know what's going on with you and all and all that? It's like a Jasmine party thing. They want to do like Bride and Prejudice play. Okay. Cool. I'm just gonna drag you back inside. I think I'm getting roped into it, but I'm not totally sure what I'm getting roped into exactly. Yeah. And what I do know about it makes me a little nervous, to be honest. But <laughs> like, all right. Hopefully it's not like a six-hour. Yeah. 
Gotro used to say, you know, there's there's things that people try to get you to do because there's no nothing you can gain and everything you can lose about doing it. You know. Are we recording this? Yeah, we are actually. He <laughs> actively locks it out. If I don't just let it run, I forget about it. I wonder if it's on here. Yeah.
So if you weren't paying attention, you just like noticed what we're about to do, and then like lean out of the way. Like, yeah, so like, yeah, so like, yeah, so like, I don't like yeah. Let's just leave it at ironic. Oh, that was Well, just lay your head back in the back and just kind of take it in while you close your eyes. That's okay. I won't be offended. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. I know it's... Hey, guys. We're going to come back in. We're going to jump back in. All right. All right, all right. So... We need to assess, if you think about Jesus' life, he was full of people that that were at different layers of relationship with him. And just to kind of summarize this last hour, he had the multitudes that were just, he was, he was kind of intentionally reaching out to them. Um, he was, it was a little bit of both. He was ministering to his world, which was Israel, which is true. He was being intentional about how he was reaching out to that world, though. Um, and so there was a little bit of both of these things going on. But he ministered to the multitudes. But as he went to them and found people who would reciprocate the desire in the hearts to draw close to him, he kept drawing them closer and closer. So you get these people like the 70, 
which is actually really fascinating. Jesus is completely renovating the concept of discipleship for his day, where discipleship was like only a few select, if you're the best of the best. He basically was like, this is open to anyone who, if they're willing to pursue me. But he seemed, seemed we kind of get the in- intuition from the narrative that he was delineating who he invested into by the priority they gave to pursue him in return. So you get the 70 who seem to be around, but never as around as the 12. And the 12 are never as around as the 3. And the 3 never get quite as much time with Jesus as the 1, Peter. And so you have each layer, they got more time with Jesus, more investment by Jesus, and and where he pursued the crowds, but he really prioritized the quality and the quantity of time by by that level of investment. You see Peter, the most intense and passionate, getting the most uh, investment. So the question a little bit is like, how do we start this conversation? Um, and so I want to talk about kind of how do we start this conversation? How do we assess? Uh, not that this can be always like, you know, super fast, and super easy, but kind of how do we assess those three core things we were talking about? Like, how do we assess if they're kind of cool with us or Jesus and our community? And so we're going to talk about six steps again. Uh, this, you know, take this, edit this. Don't be too formulaic with this. However, I do find if I'm if I'm far more formulaic with communicating this, then you can kind of, you know, take it and be natural. Don't be like, oh, I forgot six, you know, step three. Can we like back up to like, you know, you know, don't just be relational. But sometimes it's helpful when you're like, I'm trying to learn to be relational and intentional to just kind of have a stepping stone to think through really practically, really tangibly uh, how to go about it. So step one, and this is going to be a little bit related to your exercise this week, uh, where you're basically going to have to do this this week. So step one, super practical, but place yourself in a uh, in space where you can strike up a conversation. So if you are if you are in your uh, house over on Harmony and LeMay, um, saying God give me a small group, you. <laughs> You know, I, I have a buddy who says, if you're not willing to be the answer, you're probably not going to see it. But there's this, there's this moment when I'm saying, God, I have this heart, and you know, what does Isaiah say? Send me. When it's, when it's the partnership of this is my heart, and I'm willing to be the answer to my prayer. Not to say that we're taking God out of the equation, because if I do it without God, that also won't work. But there is this partnership that has to happen. So are you just being intentional? Are you there for, you know, when the freshmen are like, hey, I'm looking for a friend. Are you there? Are you putting yourself in a place? When your classmates are like hanging out after the class, are you like the first person beelining to get out of there? Or are you letting yourself linger a little bit to look for that moment? Are you placing yourself in an appropriate context to be the answer that you're praying for. So real practical, strategically place yourself. So, you know, this week you're going to be doing a little bit of this. That might be just like hanging out on the plaza uh, on the nice days, you know, or in the LSC and just finding that person sitting by themselves in the cafeteria or 
what have you. Are you placing yourself in in a way to to <coughs> win uh, the day, so to speak? Okay, step two, dude. This is it's so it's so simple. It almost is silly to even say it, and yet it's kind of helpful to kind of think about it. Start the conversation. <laughs> Start the conversation. Let me tell you. Uh, this is uh, the easiest conceptually and the hardest pragmatically. This is where everybody gets stuck. I, you know, dude, this, <laughs> I just like to use walk away because it's just like a strategic moment, right? It just makes so much sense. I can't tell you how many times over the years I have a student and, and a small group leader and they've gone like to leadership retreats and they're all excited about, you know, building a community of people around their life and they place themselves there, they're going out with their resource leader, they're going out trying to meet people, and we get to the end of like, like say door move-ins is just one of the things, but it's just an easy example. And I'm like, you know, how many people do you talk to? Uh, not many. Well, you were moving people in all day, weren't you? It's like, yeah, I kind of helped so-and-so. Meaning they were standing back because they were too scared to start the conversation that they never actually got anywhere. Right? They placed themselves strategically, but they didn't start the conversation. I had a, I had a minister, I was in, well, yeah, I guess it is kind of recorded, in a closed country um, <laughs> that he said the hardest part was not taking his family, where well, he was from the West, he was from America, and taking his family and giving up everything and going halfway across the world, that was not the hard part. That giving up, you know, all the conveniences and all of the, you know, practicalities of all the culture shock and all the, that was not the hard part. He, we were sitting in a cafe late at night because it was super hot where we were, and and he said, what's hard is taking not the 6,000 miles to get here, it's the six steps to the guy across the room. Yeah. That's what's hard. To get, I've placed myself, I've placed my whole family, I've given everything up to place myself strategically, but that's starting the conversation. That's what is critical. So, um, so we used to do this. We're not doing it this year, but we used to actually have you guys go out on the plaza and just uh, get somebody to respond to you like six times. So we would basically say, as they're walking by, say something in, because all you have is two seconds. You have two seconds to find some stupid reason to say hi to the guy walking by or else they're walking by. Right? And so is is there actually a really comical exercise? But it's actually really helpful at times. We're not doing it this year because we feel like there's some other ones that are more helpful. But it actually is really helpful to realize you just have to open your mouth and let something come out. Yeah. It doesn't have to be cool. Don't worry about you know, if you have if you have to be cool, let me tell you, if you have to be cool, there's the door. Because you are not gonna get any further than right there. Okay? So so just but you know what? Some of the best conversationalists I know are the best at this. They they just in two seconds they see you and say, you know, what's with that like lapel pin on your backpack? That's you know I actually was in that part of you know Kansas one time. You know, like like right? They just find something. They're just opening their mouth and letting something come out. Just open your mouth. And let something come out. Wait, um, like, yes. Like the six. I'm confused. So yes. like the six 
responses would be like, hey, hey, how are you? How are you? No, sorry, six times. Just maybe <laughs> we just used to make you six times. Uh, try to strike up a conversation with somebody walking by. No, with somebody walking by. Like six different people. Yeah, yeah, just. Yes. I gotta get the. I use. So. You know, I have a million of these. You know, you, you do this all the time when you do campus ministry, but I. There's, for some reason, there's a couple that have always, like, kind of stuck in my head just because they were comical. But one was a couple years ago when I was out with an LTC student. I think it was this exercise that we were doing. And he was just like, okay, I don't, I don't get it. I'm like, okay, let's just walk out. Let's just... So we walk out. It was a nice day. We go out to the plaza. We sit down. I totally ignore him because he's a distraction to me actually striking up a conversation with somebody, right? So we sit down. He sits right next to me right here. You know, we're just all around the bricks over there. And I ignore him, and I look over, and in two seconds, I'm like, hey, nice boots. And he's like, thanks. And I'm like, what kind are they? He tells me, he's like, yeah, Justin's. I'm like, yeah, you know, I actually just got some here about two years ago. My wife got me some. He's like, you like them? He's like, yeah, actually, they're really nice. I'm like, are you a cowboy, or you just like the fashion? He's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of a cowboy. He's, I'm like, start asking what his major is. And within about, and this is an exercise we'll talk about actually for this week, but within five questions, I got him talking about Jesus, naturally. And the small group, you know, the LTC, and this is not, this is not unusual. This is not like, this is my one story. It's just kind of like, it's just an easy one because it's so funny. You know, it's like, the, the LTCer was like, <laughs> well, it's just funny because the LTCer was like, what just happened? Like, how did you just do that? I'm like, well, okay, well, let's go over this. We walk over to another guy and this guy reading a paper. And I'm like, hey, what's good in the paper? He's like, nothing. And I look on the front and there's like the physics thing. And I'm like, hey, you reading the physics article? And he's like, yeah, I'm actually a physicist. I'm like, really? What does that teach you about God? And he's like, actually, I've been really kind of thinking about that lately as I'm going through this. You know, I grew up in church a little bit, but I haven't been in for, for a while. Yeah, let me tell And all of a sudden, he's just like, what? It's so easy, but you have a couple of things. One, just open your mouth. You're not, one, let me, let me alleviate the pressure. You're not going to be good. It's not going to be good. <laughs> it's really going to be bad. It's going to be awkward for them and for you. It's okay. That's how you get better at it. Just do it. Just do it. Take it from Nike. Just do it. All right. Step three. Step three. This is how you can actually get not awkward and get it fairly natural as quickly as possible. Get them talking about themselves. We are all a little narcissistic. We are all a little narcissistic. And we love talking about ourselves. We really do. We kind of think we're a big deal. Mom told me I was a snowflake, all that. So I'm kind of special. You kind of should think I am. You should know about me. We, and honestly, if somebody actually gives us a voice, and actually, and you know, again, don't take this in the formulaic. Take this as an advice for a relationship. That's the agenda. But when you do this in an authentic way, like, hey, I'm actually interested to get to know you, to hear what, you know, I mean, in the last two seconds since we started talking about your boots to now. Like, I wanted to know about you, and I'm just, you know, in the casualness of, We'll say we'll talk about this next week with fighting, but we say this, you know, pursue intensely, but come across casually. 
right? <laughs> so we'll get more into that. But but just in the casualness of the moment, um, get them talking about themselves. Uh, it's amazing how much, because one, when you get them talking about yourselves, one, you let go of your agenda of what you're trying to do. Um, two, you let it be relational because it's about them. Three, you actually are doing almost reconnaissance of sorts because all of a sudden you know what you don't know when you think that you just need to tell them about Jesus. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, you actually, you know, whatever it is. You know, you grew up going to church, but when you were, you know, 13, your parents broke up and you went to stay with your mom and she kind of checked out some churches, but then... She felt like she got burned by the church, and you think that, you know, God hates you because of what happened when you were, you know, 16. You start to figure out what to say, so that when you actually open your mouth up again after this, it's intelligent, and not just like, you know, and not not to make light of this, but not like, hey, let me just tell you about Jesus, but like, let me tell you about the Jesus that you need to hear about. The part of Jesus that you need to know, yep. that you need to understand. That, you know, I, I think it's interesting. My old director used to say, whenever somebody said, I don't believe in God or I don't like God or whatever, he used to argue with them, like, hey, let, you know, debate this, debate that, you know, talk about this. And it's not that there isn't a place for that. I love that stuff. But he said, I started to realize what I really needed to ask was simply this tell me about the God that you don't believe in, which is really kind of a strange, you know, uh, you know context. But there's a, there's a concept that they don't believe in, right? And before long, what he would realize is, I don't believe in that God either. <laughs> but if he just starts talking about God, God is not a universal concept. There are so many nuances and contexts shaped by our life's experiences and our perceptions and our experiences in, quote-unquote, religion. And so he started saying, tell me about the God you don't believe in, so that he then knew, let me tell you about the gods that I do, because I don't believe in that God either, the God that you're telling me about. So get them talking about themselves. So often um, you naturally get to, to God from here. From here, oftentimes you will naturally find a way to talk about Jesus. Not always, but if you can get this going... You can get there very easily. Uh, Bobby, a few years ago, he was in my resource group, and I, I gave, or let me know it was last year, but I gave the resource guys uh, a challenge. I said, strike up a conversation with somebody you don't know this week and just use questions and see if you can't bring the conversation to Jesus with five questions. And it was like right before spring break, and Bobby was going back to California, and he went to the airport, uh, that week, and and there was somebody from CSU, CSU shirt on or something, waiting for the airport, waiting for the flight with him, and he's just struck up a conversation, and he's like, it took me four questions or something like that, and he texted me, he's like, dude, that was so easy, I didn't, you know, just asking questions, and you often can get to Jesus, and they're not, they shouldn't be, you know, learn to direct the conversation through questions, but. But, and that's a skill set. That's learning to kind of see the thread that leads to God. Um, but just ask good questions. Okay, fourth, I'm going to run out of time. Uh, fourth, 
mention if you don't get to God automatically, three, you can skip these, but four, uh, bring up your community. You know, being a clergy is like a mixed bag. It's sometimes awesome and sometimes not. Um, but one of the things that's really awesome about it is I always have an excuse to bring up God. Because eventually, if I'm asking, like, what do you do? What do you like about that? What have you learned about that? Is that a good career? Do you think you see yourself there in 10 years? And blah, blah, blah. Eventually, eventually, they will say, well, what do you do? And then I just say, well, I actually work with college students on the university. It's called, it's, you know, depending on their context of religious background, you know, maybe I'll compare it to a church or something. But it's kind of like a church for college students. Like, do you have any history with the church? Off we go. You do the exact same thing. People will say, like, well, you know, you ask, like, well, what are you into? What are you doing? Are you part of any clubs here at CSU? And people intuitively say, what about you? And then you say, don't, don't lose the moment. Don't lose that opportunity. Use it. Don't lose it. Use it. Um, bring up your community, like, and then ask the question, like, well, you know, have you ever had any history with Christian community or whatever? Um, fifth, if by this point you have not gotten them to answer a question about their thoughts on God, ask a God question. Uh, and this and this really can be very simple, at, as simple as you bring up your community, like, yeah, part of, you know, I love snowboarding on the weekends and, uh, you know, I love hanging out with you know, whatever buddies for back home, and I'm part of a, a campus ministry here at CSU that I'm really involved with. Um, and this question, it could be literally as simple as this, just responding back. Do you have any history with uh, any church background at all? Don't make it awkward. It's not an awkward question. <laughs> we think it is. And because we think it is, it becomes reality. Mm-hmm. If we just ask, it's amazing when I just ask people about God, but I just ask it relationally and casually it's amazing how um, you know when and not to get into all the good and the bad of you know whatever street preachers or anything like that you know all that stuff i'm not trying to get into that but but when we think that's always what it's going to be like like the antagonism of that when it's just a conversation it's amazing how unintrusive unobtrusive it is to just talk about the lord all right um then number six Number six, um, assess what's next. Assess what is next. If if you feel like, hey, these guys, this this guy or this gal is like, hey, they seem like, hey, they you know talk about community, talk about my group, they seem like they're open to that. They're not like, you know, shutting me down instantly the moment I brought up Jesus. They're not like, you know, get away from me. Like, yeah, okay, so they must be okay with Jesus. They have a little history with the church. They kind of know they should care more about Jesus than they do. You know, you get kind of that thing. Like, okay, well, so they're okay with Jesus. Uh, they seem okay with my community, and we're having a good conversation. Assess what's next. If things are good, if they meet those quote-unquote criteria again, you know, or the Holy Spirit just says that one, bird dog, right? So either the Holy Spirit says bird dog that guy or that gal, or you feel like, hey, this this there's potential here for me to pursue. 
this person, then, then have a plan. Get their number, say, you know, hey, you're in the dorms, like, yeah, me too. You know, mind if I, you know, stop by, you know, sometime and, and see how you're doing. Oh, you're only like two floors up from where I am. Or like, hey, I'm always walking by there to get to my car every day. Um, you can invite people, yes, invite. But remember, first fight. First fight, then invite. So try to find some excuse for you to pursue them. Like, hey, you want, even if it's a third space kind of context, kind of like a mixed bag. Like, hey, you know, like, you want to grab lunch tomorrow or whatever. Okay. So, if it goes well, you know, start building your small group. It's not too late now. Just just go for it now. Start building relationships around your life. Um, if they are not okay with one of those, then it, try, if you can, in the moment, to minister to them right then and there. If you can, um, try to minister to them there. Because you're not going to get another chance. So so <laughs> give it your best shot right then and there. And if you're walking through this and you ask a God question and they're like, dude, I couldn't care less about God and, you know, whatever. But you realize that they're, they got this situation in their life and you were talking about their questions and they are talking about you know, this thing going on, then try to minister in that moment. Say, dude, I'll let you go here in a second, but uh, mind if I pray for you? Uh, just see. You know, and they might say no. But do your best to try to minister in that moment. It's like you have nothing to lose at that point. You're not going to be able to pursue them in a relational way. So if you're not going to be able to relationally pursue them, fight in that moment because that's all you got. Yeah. You've got that one moment. You're not going to get to do that. So swing for the fences. So, and go big. You know, like the, the, whole, the whole thing of just pray for uh, Emmy, I think, is just an easy example because a lot of you guys know her. And I can't remember if it was actually an LTC assignment that, when that happened or what, but, like, one of the guys went out there and just prayed for her. And she had no interest in Christian community and no nothing. If it wasn't for that moment, she would have never moved forward in the community. But John just swung for the fences, and he said, hey, you mind if I pray for you? And she walked with a cane. And guess what? She got healed. And guess what? That changed the conversation. <laughs> and then she got into Jen's small group, and a lot of things happened from there that she's this you know, passionate Jesus follower today. And so, so just try to swing for the fences. Um, and if nothing happens, then just move on with your life. Be okay with letting people walk away, or walking away, so to speak, physically, you know, in that context. It's okay. Sometimes we do have to filter to find the ones who we can actually fight for. And it's not one or the other, but we have to let the Holy Spirit guide us as we walk through that. Cool? Yes? So during Welcome Week, we invite students a lot to things that are happening yeah. like right away. Yes. Would you be able to give us an example of how to fight for them before you invite them to something? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Something our resource actually made it a priority to do was to see if we could actually meet with somebody one-on-one before we actually invited them to a function. Um, sometimes, you know, if some, some guy was like, seemed really eager to find out what was going on, sure, yeah, we invited them. But a lot of times we were trying to make sure there was some kind of personal connection 
before we ended up bringing them into something. I hope that's an example of what you're... Yeah, that's great. Honestly, too, I mean, it's a little bit of splitting hairs a little bit, but oftentimes, just to use the example I keep using because it's easy, but like door move-ins, we're almost always saying like, hey, are you going to be over at the carnival tonight? And you want you want to hang out? So that's actually, that's their world, right? You're, you're kind of going to them. Um, and then often the after party is like following up us going into their world, right? Or whatever night, we're almost always go to their, go to their thing, the university thing, and then from there we take them to our thing. Um, and and the find the the fight and invite, ha- often happens far more fluidly and back and forth. But I want to emphasize the fight over the invite because we emphasize in our hearts the invite over the fight, right? Over the pursuit. I'm just going to invite them to my thing. But first, and so and so one thing, like just using a practical example, when I was a small group leader, um, I would often, this often kind of was flowing at the same time a lot, like intermixed. But when I made a connection, I was always going back to their dorm or calling, if I couldn't get in their dorm, calling them, um, as I'm walking by their dorms, I'm put, I put myself in a place where I could do this. I just walk by their dorm at least once a week and I would just call them up like, hey dude, walking by your dorm, just curious if you're around, love to stop in and say hi. Right? I would just place myself in a context where I could pursue it. I just kept pursuing um, as I was inviting and there was sort of a mix too. But if you think through, uh, I know a girl who was a small group leader, a uh, friend of mine when we were, well, right, early in Chi Alpha, but she had this girl that she really met and she thought she had a good connection with. She met her, um, but she couldn't find any time with her, but she knew she worked at Subway. And so she ate Subway for a whole semester. Every Tuesday at 12, she was at Subway, hanging, and she and she wasn't like, you know, and she would, you know, just like, oh, you know, she'd wait, like, oh, I wanted to say hi to so-and-so, you know, and then she would, like, make her sub, whatever, and like, hey, how's it going? Like, I, she was pursuing her, and then, guess what? She got her in her small group, you know, <laughs> took her all semester, took her, like, you know, cost a little bit of money, because she had a, you know, kept, you know, eat, eat fresh, but, you know, she just <laughs> pursued. So, it's not that you can't invite right away, it's like, oh, I never pursued them, so I can't invite, you know, don't, don't let it be too rigid. But you should think, my strategy is not invite. My strategy is how can I pursue them, and then from there, invite them. Okay, um, we're going to wrap up there, unless there's any other questions. Great question. Anything else? Okay, for this week. One, if you have not signed in, remember to sign in. (laughs) If you forgot two weeks ago, whatever, just just sign, sign yourself in for whatever week's. Uh, if you have missed um, one class or a weekend or whatever, remember I do need a paragraph. Sorry I haven't responded to you guys. Uh, I've been a little busy, but I, I will have all of that stuff. You know, we do keep track of that stuff through the semester. Uh, I, I'm asking you for two, two weeks. If you miss, try to make it up within two weeks. However, I know at times with retreats and different things, we have been a little behind. Um, on on getting all the podcasts up online. It's okay. It's not a hard and fast rule if you just try not to save it to like the last day of the last you know of this semester. But try to get it within two weeks. If we don't have the podcast up, that's not your fault. That's ours. 
Um, so we're just trying to do that. If you missed any of the retreats, just to highlight, uh, I will give you the rest of LTC to make up that, because that's not something you can just easily do in two weeks. Uh, I will give you the rest of the semester. But I do need a paragraph from each class that you missed at the retreat. So just a thing there. Okay, the practical, and then we're going to break up. I don't quite have all of my cohort leaders, but I'm assuming they're coming. Um, the practical for this week is to go out and bring, strike up a conversation and try to lead it to Jesus. Um, I believe it's four times on your syllabi. Uh, anybody have your syllabi handy with them? Um, four times this week. Go out there. Uh, we're not going to have a specific time. Do this with your cohort. Uh, do this with your small group leader. Do this by yourself. That's okay. Um, cohort leaders, help them think through a strategy for this week. Uh, when to do it. What they're going to do. If they need help, uh, try to do it with them. We're going to remember breaking up. Uh, here with your future resource group. If you were to continue on as small group leader, your future resource uh, group or your family line, so to speak. So talk through last week's, like how did it go going out there and sharing something that you felt like was from the Lord for people and then talk through your strategy this week using this sort of as an outline. Remember, just let it be natural. You don't have to be like, oh, I didn't do number four. I failed. No, just... You know, this is just an empowering, not debilitating idea here. But but four times, try to strike up a conversation. And if it goes well, praise the Lord. If it doesn't, if you get shot down, praise the Lord. Because you're going to experience both. You will experience both. And you're going to learn that you're going to open up your mouth. And it's going to be like that first time you ask a cute girl out on a date. It's just like you go up to her and you're like, Nice shoes. You know, like you just like, that was lame. That's okay. It's all right. Jesus is worth being lame for. So learn. You'll learn as you go. Okay. Go ahead and get in your cohorts and go.